Hey everyone, you're tuned into episode one of the North Pole Hoops Canadian Podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Bryce Chandler, your host on the NPH Canadian Basketball Podcast. I'm a former college basketball coach, and I'm here to serve up and discuss the hottest topics in the Canadian basketball industry. We'll be bringing on guests from the NBA right down to the thriving prep level in Canada, providing a full scope on the game in the North. On episode one, we discussed the Canada men's national basketball team and their quest to qualify for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo this summer. We touch on which NBA players have committed to play for Canada, the qualifying tournament in Victoria where they will play Greece in their first game who features MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo, and finally, what impact head coach Nick Nurse will have on the team. Join me on the podcast today, we have Elias Sabate, who is currently the president and director of basketball recruiting with North Pole Hoops, and we also have Jason Tom, who is the commissioner of the National Prep Association. What's going on, fellas? Chilling. Good to be back, man. This Absolutely. time we're talking Canada basketball. Should be an interesting one. Elias is the toughest guy to nail down for time. This guy's always on the road. I'll be flipping through Instagram, and Elias is in a different <laughs> place, different state <laughs> it's all it's all it's not all it's cracked up to be it catches up really and, uh, sore backs aches all over man i've had to like say to this guy when he's like oh yeah son i'm here and i'm like hey so elias uh can you like work some days off into that as well because like if you like we're such a close-knit group here if one person burns out it just ruins everything yeah no it's a true story yeah. i have to, i have to now schedule days off wow so appreciate you guys jumping on so the topic of today is Canada basketball. So we're at a point now where obviously we didn't qualify through the World Cup. And with that, there was a ton of no-shows from a, a Canadian perspective, right? With the plethora of basketball talent we have that is featured in the NBA today, you had, of those people, uh, Corey Joseph, Kelly Olnick, Ken Birch. Kelly Olnick obviously was injured, wasn't able to ultimately participate those three guys are pretty much staples when it comes to Canada basketball, but you had a ton of other guys pull out, right? Um, so let's let's start there. So when you look at the no shows from a World Cup perspective, why do you think that? Why did that happen? It was the schedule. It was the. It's so funny. I've been involved with Canada basketball even with their training camps for probably about fourteen years now. And when I started, Leo Redmond as the head coach. And he was trying so hard to get the type of schedule that we saw leading up to the World Cup. And who was on his team at that time? Rowan Barrett, the general manager now, who was helping put that schedule together. So I could see why it came about. And the mentality is you need to get those guys on the road. You need to get them together. You need them playing in hostile territory. And you need them playing against teams that are either like or the exact teams that they're going to be playing uh, in pool play. So the thought process was great. Problem was, 14 years ago, when Rome was on the team, we only had two Canadians, one Canadian, in the NBA. In the NBA. Yeah. So that became an immediate problem. So I can see that is the, 
the main reason why the players couldn't commit. Because you had to go to Australia, which, by the way, was Australia in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And then you were going to be going on to China. And everybody knows the FIBA schedule is insane. Eight games in ten days, like, minimum. Mm-hmm. And I just think for the players, it was going to be incredibly difficult for them to buy into that. And especially because the majority of our players mm-hmm. were so young and either in their first contract or vying for their second. And that's you just said it there. That's the other element that I don't think uh, gets brought to the table enough: the the contracts, the the um, the insurance that's involved with Canada basketball having to pay for the insurance on that contract if someone gets hurt. They can't. They simply can't cover it right now. As a nation, we are not in a position right now where Canada basketball has a hundred million in the bank. This is this is not. Uh, USA basketball, who's heavily funded by you know brands like Nike and other 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 places, so that is a huge piece to this puzzle. And for a guy that's on his first contract, you can't blame him. We're the only ones who are sitting here with without that many millions in your bank account, so you're not going to jeopardize your career essentially, you know. Yeah, but where does pride come into play here? So for me, it's you got Canada. And then you got countries like Spain. Marcus All just won an NBA championship, turned around at 30-some-odd years old and decided, hey, I'm going to go play for my country and win a World Cup. So where does pride come into play? Because you have, if, I'm, if, you're, if you're a Canadian and you're in the NBA and you look at USA and you look at how many guys decided not to play, you're looking at it like, hey, this is, this is, a, this is a gold medal we can go get. So where does that come into play? For me, the pride for playing for Canada just really isn't there for a lot of these kids because, I mean, you're talking about the financial constraints of Canada basketball, and it's obvious. And, you know, I talk about very often that the strength of basketball in Canada is the players 30 through 90, not the 1 through 20. Canada basketball is in a position right now where they can really only fully service at the best of their ability the top 30 players in each class. So when you talk about the players after that, the, 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 the love for country or playing for Canada isn't always there because maybe they feel a little hurt that they weren't that top 20 or top 25 in each class. Not saying that was exactly the situation for this group, but in talking to players, they love Canada, but the love for Canada basketball isn't always as strong as it should be. I think they're doing a lot of a better job now to be able to kind of bring that along. Um, and I think that goes into play. And outside of Canada, in these other countries, they have that love for country because they're competing within that country to an older age a lot of the times. Like the top European players are playing professionally at the age of 16 with grown men. So they have that pride because they're around those guys. We're just now getting to the point, the NBL of Canada been, has been here for a while, but not a huge Canadian imprint on those teams. Not at all. Really. And, and the CEBL now is just getting to that point. So I think we're on the right track. But if you're not playing basketball in Canada, where does that loyalty for Canada come from? No, there, there really isn't. I mean, it's, it's very few players that have it. You can, you can name them on, on one hand, essentially. Um, the Corys, the Tristans, the Olenics, and you know, whoever else I miss. But those are the guys that are, are there year in, year out. Blood, sweat, and tears, you know, wearing the red and white hardcore. With regards to, you know, in a comparison to Spain. Spain's league has multiple 
high-level NBA guys that don't even play in the NBA mm. because of a love for culture, for the culture of being in Europe, for, the, for those types of reasons. Now, when we're talking about Canada as a culture, Canada as a culture is just starting to develop its own. Mm. We've been looking down south. We've been looking to you know, our, our brother down south and we've been saying, we want to be like you. We follow all of their trends, all of their media habits, all of the shows that they watch, everything that they do, we want to do and be like them in the past. This is just the very start of true patriotism for the country, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't think that we're going to get that until we get some, some serious trendsetters, such as a Shea and a Jamal, who have been committed and are going to continue to be committed. Um, you know, some people are going to say, if whether or not, if RJ does not play, you can't dog RJ. RJ's in, this is those situations. RJ's in his first year. You don't go at a guy like RJ for not playing if he can't play. But for the guys who are fully available, like, and Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins needs to be playing on Team Canada for Team Canada's sake. Now, whether now it, this is the thing. If we have to beg a player like that, or we have to massage, or whatever the case may be, and I, I wrote about this on, on NBA.com, Jay, when we were asked to mm-hmm. n- name our starting five, if we by any means have to massage, ask, influence Andrew against the play, don't bring him. Don't bring him. He's not good for the team culture. That's my take on it. That's that's interesting. So we'll get into the Andrew Wiggins piece, but let's let's talk Nick Nurse. Okay, so this is a guy who you can't not respect him because if you talk about starting from the bottom and going all the way up, this is a guy that was coaching the G League. He coached in in England. He was driving the bus for the G League team. Like he literally made his way all the way up to the ranks. Right. So wins a championship with the Raptors within weeks, commits to Canada basketball. And ends up taking him to China. Obviously, he had some thoughts of who would actually be on that team, which 90% of them weren't. Let's talk about Nick Nurse and his coaching style and how that might fit with Canada moving forward. Not only this year, but but moving forward in future years. Well, he's the perfect coach now. When that was announced, I think nobody was going to talk bad about Okay, so say Nick Nurse never won that NBA championship with the Toronto Raptors. And he was the head coach for Canada basketball. Would we? Would would there have been a universal acceptance of this? Um, is a question that I would like to ask. If he was just a 500 coach with the Toronto Raptors, um, would it have been the same? Because that's a curiosity that I have. Obviously, with everything he did, the box and one and all, like those are all things that you need to win in international competition. So he's the perfect coach now. With the timing of the players that were coming in for that window and everything that happened there, uh, he was dealt a tough hand. And what I think was important about that as well is um, if Jay Triano was still that head coach and we were getting people who weren't showing up, Triano would have had to handle all those questions even though it wasn't on him to get those players there. But Nick got to dodge those questions because he was the new guy on the block. So the timing to me, outside of the coaching of this team... The timing of the of him coming in was absolutely perfect for Canada basketball. As I'll tell you this, coming off a World Cup U19 gold medal, and then going in in the showing that we had at the World Cup, like that is a tremendous failure. 
But somehow, Canada basketball was enough was able to dodge that because of the changes that they had come in. So it worked out really well in their favor for that, and now they can kind of revamp and get ready for this next. Yeah. And and in terms of Nick Nurse's style, I mean, he's had international level coaching. He's been a head coach. He's seen systems. Um, he has a very unorthodox style. Sometimes you'll see him throwing in college sets. We mentioned this a little bit off air uh, with the comeback win uh, over Dallas. Puts in a, a, a college style, if you will, press. Um, I feel like it's a it's a necessary attribute and a very familiar one that the young players that are currently in the NBA and are Canadian have, in a short span, been through every mm-hmm. piece of that level-wise. They've played national team. They've understood international competition. They've played college ball. They understand the sets there. And now you're getting more of a ISO basketball with somewhat systems in the in the NBA. So for me, Nick Nurse is, is a great piece. But my question is more so along the lines of how do you not include a Roy Rana or not give a Roy Rana a shot when he's the one who's delivered uh, a gold medal and the only gold medal. You cannot say that that was... Oh, it was just RJ and Abu. There was very much that staff mm-hmm. was instrumental in that in developing that gold medal, or or even uh, Jamie McNeely. Jamie McNeely. Yeah. Right down to the operations staff. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but like, think about this. So when you look at Nick Nurse, I think we can all agree he's a player's coach. He's the type of guy who says, you know, here's my strategy. But then halfway through the game, he might he might call over to Kyle Lauer and be like, What do you think? What, what do you think I should do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People like him. Yeah. Like I was listening to an interview with uh, Tristan Thompson the other day. Loves Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. He is a player's coach. So is is there value in having a coach who people like who can help to to build that brand of of Canada basketball back up? And it just just so happens it coincides with him winning an a, a, an NBA championship. Which I mean, you can't not respect that no, a guy yeah. after that. Look, Nick, Nick Nurse's personality is perfect for this day and age of players. Mm-hmm. He has the, the fine balance of X's and O's, dealing with egos, um, you know, managing personalities, and let's just, let's just face it the way it is. Tristan Thompson picked up a max contract, arguable whether he was a max guy at that time. But that is a guy that, or guys like him, that automatically, whether they like it or not, have a sense of entitlement. What coach knows how to deal with that? And, and maybe that's why you know that's why I say Roy Rana deserves a shot because he's the only one that I've seen who has been able to deal with those elite level players and bring them back to real life. Now in this case, Nick Nurse has won a championship with a league MVP and has shown clear proof of knowing how to deal with that as well. So I can I can see it working both ways. But again, I go back to I go back to why not at least have. Roy is an assistant on the squad. So does that, Jason, does that hurt the brand then? Because, you know, we talked about this a little off air, but when you look at the coaching staff, they overhauled a lot of those those guys. Like it's it's predominantly, uh, it's Nick Nurse, some of his guys that he brought in that he's been coaching with, but does that does that hurt the brand? You know, it's it's it, like I think it was just it was just a clean slate. It was a clean, I think the timing of it at first to me was absolutely shocking. Like when it was announced that uh, they were going to open up a coaching search, that blew me away because you know Jay Triano it took forever. <laughs> yeah, and we, now we know why. Yeah. Uh, but I think they painted themselves into a corner as well. I think you know I, I don't think Nick Nurse was always the guy. Like I think that was kind of a late development. Um, 
you know, we heard a lot of other names jump to the forefront. Anytime those leaks come out, that's because they want to try to get everybody ready for it. Um, but I think for me, the fact that you know Jay Trano did so good through those competition windows by using over 35 guys, and he wasn't there for all those windows as well, but having the next guy ready. The fact that he did that, we had that 10-2 and two record, I believe, through those 12 games. Um, now, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is the FIBA system, and despite going 10-2, and two, they were still slotted into the group of death. So a lot of things went against Canada basketball. So I think all this worked out uh, positively, the fact that they did have this clean slate. Uh, but when it comes down to it, uh, the timing of saying that, you know, we're going to open up the coaching, Jay Trano pulls his name out, Roy Rana also not going to be that guy. Um, I think... When it comes down to it, they've come out of this looking great as a result. And then now here at home, they get to have this competition where all of a sudden some of the other teams aren't going to have their top guys. And now Canada's on home soil. And now they have this new head coach who went through like that will be the toughest time for Nick Nurse with Canada basketball will be what he just went through. For sure. Because from here on out, sure. he's going to have more than just those couple of guys. Yeah, so let's talk about those commitments now that we're talking yeah. about Victoria and that the qualifier. And let's let's talk about the tournament in general because a lot of people don't know, right? So there's six teams that are coming to Victoria for this tournament. Canada must win, right? Yep. And first game they're playing Greece, and we'll get into that in a second. But let's talk about some of the names that committed, right? So you had... Shea, Giltris Alexander, you had Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett, amongst others that have committed to playing in this qualifier. So what do you think the impact of those commitments is going to do, not only for Canada for this tournament, but just in general in, t- in terms of building that foundation that this needs to be something that's like an honor, right? Like the way the USA is. To play for the US is an honor, and that's that's the way that they look at it. I think it's always, I, I think it's always, it hasn't been a... F- the matter of whether it's an honor or not, or guys don't want to play. It's been very situational. We've never had the luxury of having uh, over 15 players playing in the NBA and being able to cut an NBA guy. It's never trumped anything else, though. And I think that's what you're, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's always been like a, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it comes down to contracts. It comes down to uh, guys getting married over the summer. It comes down to... Yeah, but, but, still, but still, but still, yeah. but look at the U.S. Like they're guys, like elite level yep. players, perennial all stars that get cut from that team that are that are pissed, mm-hmm. and they take to social media and they're like, mm-hmm. "Why am I not on this team?" Mm-hmm. That's not happening in Canada, yeah. right? But like when Bryce is saying about the commitments, like I love that everybody's doing it, but part of me is also kind of saying like, and I think uh, Olenek said it as well, like, okay, it's great. That you're, everyone's doing that on social media, but how about when it comes down to it? Now, beyond that, I think what Kelly wanted to say was, oh, thank you so much, guys, for everyone being involved now when it's in Victoria. Like, how about what we just did in Australia and China and the commitment, even though Kelly didn't end up going there, and then the fact that Kelly's still not healthy now because of it. Mm-hmm. But you can look at that and say, aha, that's why I didn't do it. And that's why, you know what I mean, going forward, that would be... That is what Canada basketball is going to have to look at. They're never going to put together a competition like this again where they go to Australia and China and make it hard for these guys to say yes. But how do you have this continuance? And I think having Nick Nurse there, having these guys publicly now say, yes, I am going, uh, is going to help. But at the same time, how are we going to be able to keep these guys happy when we cut them? Yeah, I don't think there's we can't a- have 10 guards in the team. 
No, no. Um, you know, I named some some of my starting five. I got Jamal and Shea, both who who of which committed. Those guys are interchangeable. I mean, I don't care how you start them. You can play you can play Shea at the point, play Jamal off ball, and he's gonna look to score. Either can score. Tristan, if you know if he's able to, I know it's his it's his contract year. Um, there's no way to keep everybody happy, even if you are cutting guys. Dylan Brooks is going to be a dog that you definitely want on the team. And from a skill standpoint, may not be as skilled as some of the other guys on the wing. But, I mean, those are the type of international players you want. Those are the guys who are willing to fight. So with the, the current commitments, let's just say those players do play. Mm-hmm. Today, are you saying Canada is going to win that tournament? Absolutely I- should. Yeah, I, I, I feel more confident going into this tournament than any other because it's on home soil. And that's including the fact that, so let's talk about their first game, which is Greece, mm-hmm. right? And let's, for all purposes sake, say Giannis plays that game. You still feel confident that Canada's coming and out of that funny, game. And it's funny, I'm sitting here kind of saying like how shocked I was that Jay Triana wasn't back. But now I feel more confident because Nick Nurse is the head coach of this team and he's shown that he can stop. Yeah. yeah. So to me, like, and that's where, that's where this double-edged sword. So I feel like I totally see where the players are coming from now. Because here's somebody who's been involved for so long that is like upset that Jay Tran was like, oh, when he was. Yet I'm very happy that we're in the situation that we are. It's the same as you know a guy not committing to go on this terrible trip to Australia and China that was taking up 30 days of their life, but then now they're jumping on board because it's here in Canada. Yep. Right. Yep. And I think with G- with the whole Giannis piece. If he does play, mm-hmm. this is like it's going to be team defense that's going to attempt to stop him. You're not stopping him. You just want to you want to hope to contain him. We're talking about a caliber of league MVP in the best league in the world. There's going to be psychological warfare involved there. The players have to collectively understand that we cannot let this guy in our heads because he is that type of player. Yeah. When he hurts you, he's going to make you pay. If you if you feel any sort of remorse, if you feel if you get down at all, he's going for the jugular. But but the one thing that I think we haven't talked about is the FIBA piece in all of this. The wild card that is FIBA, FIBA officiating. Oh yeah. FIBA, um, you know where the games are taking place. Like this is all stuff that matters on the world stage. And the fact that this is happening, when I heard that happening, that's where my confidence level went through the roof. Because there was a great chance that this was going to be like Canada was going to have to go to Lithuania. You know what I mean? And in, in a win in your in situation mm-hmm. in Lithuania when you're playing Lithuania, it's good luck with that. Yeah. Now that this is on Canada's side, um, this is where the confidence comes from for me as well. Yeah. So the one piece for me that. I hesitate to say Canada's going to win that game is if Tristan doesn't play. Because thank you. For me, because I have people asking me, how is Tristan my starting five? Somebody's got a rebound. No, no. no. Tristan Thompson is underappreciated. Because look look at what he's doing in Cleveland right now. But this guy can guard one through five. Just watch him when he switches off ball screens. He can guard that. And when you look at a guy like Giannis, he needs someone who can, who's strong enough to get in. To get to a spot and, and take that hit, and then also be able to shot block, offensive rebound. Tristan, to me, if he doesn't play, that is a big, big loss well, for the. But round. add Kelly to that because we know like Kelly is coming out of his largest contract, yeah. and obviously he wants another one, four year, twelve million that he just came, five year, twelve million that he just came off of, or no, four. Anyways, a lot of money that he was making, and if now both he and Tristan yes. and their experience 
aren't on that team. Like, you need someone to rebound. You need someone to set screens for these guards. And who do we have then after that? You got Kem Birch, right? And then, you know, we talk about... Chris you know, Boucher. Chris Boucher. But again... Not, he's, yeah, he's not, not guarding Giannis, right? And, and not as much experience on the international stage. That's exactly. a big piece. International game's a whole different ball game. You're going to get a lot less ISO basketball. You're going to get guys who have been with their national team years on years and understanding. Clutching and grabbing that yeah. goes on call. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that we're playing Greece first game because I hope Giannis is playing because I think it's a good pressure test for Canada basketball in general because Giannis... It doesn't matter who he's playing with. They're going to surround him with four guys that can shoot the ball. That's all I know. And he is the type of guy who's the top. There's very few guys that are killers like that. That they'll come on the court and they're coming after you every single possession. And it's it's kind of Canada. You are at home. Let's see what you do against arguably the best player in the NBA right now. So correct, correct me if I'm wrong. We're going potentially a 12 to 13 man all NBA Canadian roster. Versus Greece, who I think only has one in in Giannis. But like you mentioned, all these internationally strong teams, yes. like those are all guys who have come to the NBA for yeah. a couple of years and yeah. said, you know what, I'm going to go back home because it's good back there. They're yeah. NBA level talent. Yeah. And the thing is, and this is the thing that Leo always talked about, having a strong domestic league, because you're playing with guys or against guys. Yeah. Like consistently, it's not like in the NBA yeah. where you dap up Andrew before a game and then you don't see him again for, for yeah. six months. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think the other piece is when it comes to like basketball overseas, the way that they play, yeah. it's very easy for them to come into these type of tournaments and play together. Whereas you have a bunch of guys yeah. that are ball dominant, yeah. and you're like, oh, we're gonna throw in all these NBA guys. Well, these guys all are used to having the ball in their hands mm-hmm. versus a very systematic team that can play together and they know how to play as a team. It, it's it's more of a challenge for a team like Canada to come together, and we've seen that in past years with USA. Mm-hmm. But you know they're elite, so it, it, it sometimes it just trumps everything else. Yeah. But well, I I like I don't see that being an issue with this Canadian team. Just because outside of outside of Jamal and Shea, who can create their offense pretty much any time they want, this is a team of role-defined players. You mentioned Tristan Thompson. If Tristan Thompson plays, he knows exactly what he needs to do. He knows exactly that he's going to be cleaning up on the glass and he's going to be blocking shots and playing help side and you know making the outlet pass, trying to, to open, open the break. I love talking about all these players, but the fact that Nick Nurse could possibly be coaching in the NBA Finals again this year. Yeah. And that this tournament starts on June 23rd? Yeah. Like, and, and like, this is where we go back to the coaching staff. So who is going to be game planning? Like, and, and, and I'm sure they have it figured out. But to me, that's the wild card in it. Yeah. Because it's Nick and his entire staff yeah. is his coaching staff. Yeah. They're all going to be focused on an NBA championship going back to back. And then they got to, like, you, it takes months to prepare for this tournament. Fair, but there's kind of two. There's two two ways to look at it. There's that. I'd rather my coaching staff have to be playing. They're they're coaching all the way to the NBA Finals. Whereas I look at the players, I'm like, yeah, who's yeah. going to be in the NBA Finals? That that is yeah. Canadian at this point. It's I don't see it happening really outside of Chris Boucher potentially. Mm-hmm. The West is we know how that is. So mm-hmm. I just think when you look at Canada basketball, this is our best shot. Like if we can, if we can take get everybody together. Tristan, Kelly, everyone, and we just put it on the table. This is our our turn to say, okay, we're for real. And in many ways, this is a do or die. This is this is how I'm looking at but it. But I'm kind of at the point now where it's like, 
Like, there's nowhere to go up the, from, like, there's no place to go to go but up. up from here, right? Yes, yeah. but on an international stage, Canada basketball is not well-respected, even though we have all this individual talent going to the league. From a structural standpoint, if you look at the club system in Spain and Lithuania and Serbia, elsewhere, their club system feeds in to the guys that become pros and guys that end up playing for the national team. So there's there's longevity and there's familiarity throughout those all of those levels. Canada basketball as a whole right now is not looked at that. That's to know it's not. I'm not gonna. You can't blame a single coach or a just single. Where we're at, general, it's just where we're at as a country. Um, we are dealing like think about it like this. Let's think about it from the very foundation level. The CEBL, right? Great new initiative uh, taken on by Mike Morreale and his team. That is the system that we would have loved to have had 20 years ago oh. because that is the like that is the ultimate feeder. And they were talking about that 20 years ago, of course, like, but it just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And so it, go ahead. Yeah. So now, now the CEBL, if the CEBL has clubs underneath it mm-hmm. and they have a an 18U team, a 16U team, and so on and so forth, school basketball becomes less and less relevant, and we become a lot more like the European system where. There's, look how skilled these guys are that are coming out of. Look at look at Luca. Mm-hmm. That is impeccable footwork we're seeing, and it's, it's a result of that administration and that. It's just sad to me though that it seems like we've wasted this gold medal, this U19 gold medal that was just two years ago, mm-hmm. and like that. Why, was, why are you looking at it as a waste? Because we didn't capitalize off of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, like know, initially like the momentum, right after the momentum. Yeah. There was yeah. not like that yeah. should have been the jump off. Yeah. yeah, and but I understand why it wasn't because international basketball just isn't looked at the same here. And you know, we started off talking about Canadian players feeling that way. I think just generally speaking, like you know, people want to play in the Olympics. Yeah, but it's like oh, World Cup or you know, this isn't soccer. Like it doesn't have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't have that same allure, and and that's what bothered me though, because I'll always remember because we were all super close to that U nineteen team. It just bothers me that that just seems like it was like, oh, that was nice, but you know, it's it's this. Obviously, the NBA championship is the real igniter. That, but it's just sad to me that I feel like that U nineteen team is going to be forgotten. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think for for more reason. It's forgotten because, again, I'm going back to the whole staff thing. Mm-hmm. You gotta have look when a guy wins a gold medal. Any anyone on that on that coaching staff that wins a gold medal and has been involved with these players who are now NBAers who yeah. are gonna be playing for this team. Yeah. Look at a guy like Jamie McNeely. Mm-hmm. He was the guy at five in the morning waking up six in the morning in Greece, grabbing Nikhil Alexander Walker, going for workouts with him, grabbing who whatever player yeah. and going for workouts with him. That is the guy who is committed. Mm-hmm. Also, also with Roy Rana, like they borrowed and adopted from guys like Buzz Williams mm-hmm. when those two were at Marquette. They they brought in a system that was going to help Canada basketball, and that's where I feel like the momentum hasn't taken off. But I counter that in saying, if yes. you look yeah. around, who's coaching Greece? Drake Patino, yeah, right. Yeah. So that is where, and that's where I think Canada basketball looked. They said, yeah. you, like you said, that they're not well respected or whatever. It's like okay, like people still look at us as like Jay Trano's our head coach isn't that nice. It's okay, all right. I'm going to go get us an outside the box guy, and he wins an NBA championship. So that yeah. 
turned from a strikeout to a grand slam. Yes, yes. Yeah, but, I disagree but, with you. But it, so it is, it is interesting to see that. Yeah. Like, and, and it's a big paradox for me, Bryce. Like, see, because I definitely see it from both sides. Yeah. Well, it, it, the, the thing is, is if you look at the NBA now, the players run the league, right? Yeah. And it's, it's transitioning to, to different countries when yeah. it comes to the world stage. Yeah. If we can find a coach that the players are bought into and they'll actually come and play mm-hmm. versus a guy that came up the ranks you got to kind of go to the guy who can get those guys to actually come play, right? So that leads me to my next point, which is to talk about Andrew Wiggins. We touched on it a little bit earlier. This is a guy who's, for all intents and purposes, having a breakout year, right? A lot of people wrote, wrote him off. He was still averaging, you know, 20 points. But this is a guy who in 2015 with Canada, when they lost to Venezuela to, to qualify for the Olympics, has not put on that jersey since. So... Do you think he's contemplating coming to Canada basketball? Do you think Canada needs him? Like, let, let's talk about Andrew Wiggins because he's a he's a, a great player. Yeah, it's a slippery slope right now for Andrew, right? Like he, he, the fact that he hasn't already committed for this tournament here is already working against him because there's a bunch of other guys in that squad that are just kind of saying like, okay, fine, if you're if you're only once one foot in, then forget it. Like we're good. Um, can he be incredibly helpful? Obviously. But, you know, uh, I had heard a quote the other day that uh, um, Wiggins, Wiggins commits for the summer, says he wants to play in the Olympics. This summer is not the Olympics, right? Like, the, like you got to get to the Olympics first. So that in itself is incorrect. Saying that you want to play for Canada in the Olympics doesn't mean that you want to put the work in to get there. Yeah. And he better get on board right now or the boat's going to be gone without him. Yeah, I don't think you can... If he so chooses to want to play for Canada, but only if they make the Olympics, that is extremely selfish. I don't think that the play. I think that it will it'll be cancerous to the team mm-hmm. internally. I think it'll create feud. I just don't think he'll he'd be respected by, you know, by by anybody on the scene. Really, what he's doing right now, for from a career standpoint, it was it was kind of expected because this is the probably the most opportunity he's had to flourish. Yes. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. In the NBA, mm-hmm. um, and, th- and that's that's all him. That's all Andrew Wiggins. But I haven't seen Andrew do something outside of himself. Yeah, but it was nice to see him actually go to social media and say, you know, like they put him outside of the top 100 in the yeah. NBA, yeah. and he took that personally. And you don't really, I haven't really seen him be too vocal about mm-hmm. or care about what other people th- think about him. But this year, I think that bothered him, and that's why he came in. A little bit more aggressive and, and wanting to be better. I've seen him do that a couple of times. Every time Andrew's been called out, he's definitely stepped up. And I saw it the very first time I saw it was at Nike UIBL back when he was in high school. Um, you know, they they shot him down in the rankings, and you know he came at it, took his team to the finals. It was uh, he was with CIA Balance, playing with Tyler Ennis, Anthony Bennett, a bunch of other guys, notables. Every single time he's been called out, he's showed up. And I'm calling him out right now. I'm calling him out. I would love for him to show up. But if he shows up, he has to show up to help qualify to get to the Olympics. Because his length would definitely be super, super beneficial to this team, both as a help side defender and an on-ball defender. His scoring ability, his athleticism, his rebounding, in every aspect. There's no doubt about it. There's no debate that Andrew Wiggins would help. But we... I'm saying this as if I'm coaching. We don't want him if he's just going to show up 
only for the Olympics. But again, and it all comes back to like yeah, yeah. Like if anybody's going to get Andrew Wiggins to play on this team, it's going to be Nick Nurse. Yeah, right. Th- that like, that's, it's that's not going to be Roland yeah. Barrett. No, it's not going to be Glenn Grumwald. No, it's going to be Nick Nurse. Yeah, he's going to be the only person. And if anybody can, it'd be Nick Nurse. It's going to be Nick Nurse. And that's that's the point, right? So I'm going to end it off on this. The last time Canada medaled at the world at the Olympics was 1936. 1936, and we have the second most NBA players of any country. That, to me, is is unacceptable, right? So I appreciate both of you jumping on. Um, hopefully, the next time we're talking about Canada basketball, that will be to preview the Olympics after they qualify in Victoria. So appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks, everyone, for joining me on the North Pole Hoops Canadian podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.